0: Hey, everybody, it's Jarlow, and welcome to the GMB Fitness Show. I'm real happy to have here with us Todd Hargrove. Uh, I've met Hi, Todd. Everyone. Hey, I uh, met Todd. Was it wasn't about a year ago. I took one of your workshops. We yes. had, uh, had friends visit over, and then we went over and took uh, took your classes. I thought that was great over in the Greenwood Greenwood area. Thank you. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Todd is, you better find out because he's awesome. Todd has a really interesting background. He started as an attorney in the law, which I think is really interesting, and then got out of that, and uh, Rolfing Feldenkrais, author, uh lot really into the emerging pain science movement. Uh, well, in our show notes, we'll have links to his blog, to his book. He's just a really interesting person. I love talking with him, and I'm really grateful to have you on the show. It's good to be here. Yeah, and also you're an avid pool player. Recently, <laughs> I saw my, you. This is my
1: new unproductive hobby, right? I, yeah. But, I, was,
0: uh, I remember in one of your updates, you said you broke and ran three racks of nine ball, right? Beat yeah, that, was, that, that was my ball. new
1: PR. I guess if you can call anything that happens a PR, I guess you can do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I you know I've always liked sports and and physical activities, and you know usually most of the things that I get, you know, I can get obsessed with. You know, I've been obsessed with you know squash and. Getting better at soccer, even though I'm not very good at soccer, and you know, training for all these kind of things and kind of a amateur level, and and I just kind of took up pool again, and, and that's and uh, you know, it's kind of it's kind of bad because you know you're in the dark pool hall and <laughs> you know, you're not you're not getting fit, you're just hunched over a table. Right. And it's really fun and absorbing, but well, yeah, I well, know. I understand obsessions like that, and it's actually
0: super interesting to do something that's outside of your you know your normal. Your normal activities right but,
1: yeah yeah you know variety's the spice of yeah, life yeah
0: well tell us a little bit about what you've been doing in this past year or so
1: In the past year well i guess it was two years ago i i mean i write this blog and i you know i update that from time to time maybe about once a month and and uh, i wrote a book about two years ago and um you know i i've had a few offers you know to talk on you know podcasts or go to conferences and and do some talks uh uh, about three weeks ago, I went down to the San Diego Pain Conference. That had I was very honored to be invited to talk there because there was some very very good speakers from actually all over the world. There, there was uh, Robert Sapolsky was talking. He he's uh, the guy talks about stress. So I got to see him talk, and he's very uh, impressive. And Greg Lehman was there and, uh, Fabrizio Benedetti is an Italian researcher on placebo. So lots of cool information about, uh, pain down there. And, you know, it was cool to participate.
0: Yeah. I saw that,
1: uh, that pain
0: conference. It's only what,
1: about two or three years old, right? Relatively. And that new. was, that was the second year. Yeah. yeah I, I attended it last year. That was the first year. And, uh, yeah, they'll do a, they're going to do a, one next year as well. And I think, um, Ben Cormack is going to talk, and Roderick Henderson, and some other people are going to talk about movement and pain and stuff that you know we're all interested in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, with your book, it's called "A Guide to Better Movement."
0: Yes, you know, and I think that's something everybody's really interested in. What well, everyone
1: uh, who wants better movement, yeah, everyone. I think everyone should be in it. You know, not <laughs> everyone is uh, interested in, in movement, but they're getting more and more interested in movement. You know, most a lot of people are interested in just what's going on in their computer screen, like that, and. Then people definitely get interested in um, you know, their neck hurting because they've <laughs> because they're not working on their movement and and then, you know, you gotta then, you know, some people kinda have to convince be convinced that the way you feel has something to do with the way you're you're moving and and that idea is becoming more and more prevalent, and I'm sure your listeners are tuned into it or they wouldn't be listening. But it's becoming a more and more common idea that the way you the way you move in your life has something to do with the way you feel. Right.
0: What would you consider the primary barriers for people that are, are preventing them from moving better? You know, you've worked with a lot of different clients over the years and, and with yourself yeah. too, right? And it's one of the reasons you, you got into this field.
1: Yeah, I, well, I think with, my, with myself and with my clients, I think that the biggest barrier is is just what I mentioned is pain. So, I mean, you can be um a very competent mover in a lot of respects you can have a lot of skill you can have a lot of strength you can have a lot of endurance you can have a lot of um, uh, stability and balance and um you, know, you, you can train those things those are things that are kind of easy to get but if you have pain at some joint that's right in the middle of your body that's kind of involved in all the movements that you're doing uh that's going to have a big impact on your on your movement quality and that's true even if you're tough enough to deal with the fact that it hurts and to play through pain and, and to keep going through it. So, I mean, imagine you've got a pain that, uh, you know, you're out there playing soccer like I do, or you're you're doing gymnastics or whatever, and you've got a pain which is really just kind of like an irritation. You know, you can deal with it. Uh, you, you know, you're you're a tough guy and, and you're okay with it. There's there's you know unconscious processes in your body that that are protecting you from that perceived threat, and, and that happens with the protection just doesn't come from the pain. It, you'll also get uh, you'll get stiff in an area where you've got pain. You can't help it. Muscles that are near that area will probably start to stiffen up, maybe shorten up your ranges of motion. Maybe that's a range of motion that you really want to have, but because there's some pain there, your body kind of reflexively shuts you down and doesn't let you get to that range of motion and stiffens things up. But you can you also get weaker in an area where, where there's pain. So I mean, you've got these studies where they where they inject a little saline solution in, into your knee or something like that to cr- cause some artificial pain, and then people's strength levels go right down. And this is true even if they're trying to, you know, their they're hardest. So you kind you you can't really express your potential if you've got pain in an area. And your movement patterns get altered as well. You start to kind of reorganize to, to remove stress from that area, and that might kind of really reduce the efficiency of your movement. So limping is the obvious example. You know, we all know if you you hurt your foot, you limp. But if any area of your body hurts a little bit, you'll kind of like start to reorganize your movement so that it, uh, it's not going to hurt as much. So long story short, I think getting out of pain in any area is the quickest road to to improving something.
0: You know, what you described is that cycle, right? You need to move to feel better, but you have pain, so you stop moving and then you just get stuck in that. In that. In that exactly. Rut, right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and it's not easy to get out of pain. There's no magic formula to do it. But uh, to improve your movement, I think it's a it's a really it's something that you should you should have on your mind. And that's why the you know that's why the training world started to talk to the PT world a lot, and the PT world started to talk to the training world. And there's this communication there because they realized that there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of important things that to be learned from each side.
0: Yeah, definitely the overlap. Um, and unfortunately that causes some of its own problems, right? When you, yeah, have, you know,
1: people get out of their expert zone and things right. like that. But th- It's good that there's a conversation between the pain people and the movement people and the performance people and the rehab people.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I, you know, in the last few years with, with people like Laura Mosley and, you know, all of those, the pain science group is that, uh, yeah it's not just pain and stiffness and, and things like that, but it's actual awareness, like real uh, cortical neuron awareness of, of a body part that's an issue. So like uh, in, in terms of the low back, you, you'll see a discrimination point, like sensory changes. It's, all, it's almost like your body forgets what's happening in that area. And uh, that's why it seems like movement variability and, you know, the, you know you've been you teach with the feldenkrais exercises a different kind of coordination exercises why that's a a really important entry point into helping people get get out of this pain cycle
1: yeah yeah so you, so you get in pain in a certain area you stop moving that part of the, or the part of the body and if you're not moving that that part of the body you become less aware of it uh, and you kind of almost forget about movement capacities that you have in that area, and that 's really obvious with the low back. you know you, you get pain in your low back, you start bracing it, you stop moving it in, in whatever direction hurts, maybe in deflection into rotation, or you know there 's all sorts of little movements that can happen in your low back and in your ribs you got all those joints in there you got all those ribs those subtle little movements are important, but you, but you shut them down. After an injury, and, and rightly so, because you want it. It's a natural instinct to kind of brace the area. But if you don't move it for a while, um, you can get in the habit of not moving it and just kind of keeping that kind of really small movement vocabulary there. And in Feldenkrais, you call that sensory motor amnesia. That means you basically forget how how to move in ways that you, that you're capable of doing because you've gotten out of the habit of doing it. That's kind of what Mosley's talking about too. His his point is that when an area gets painful. You also lose awareness of what's going on in there, and those things seem to to work together. So, so pain can cause lack of awareness, and then that lack of awareness in that area causes lack of movement, and, and it can increase your pain there. So, it's kind of same thing you were talking about with that vicious cycle. Right. I
0: think uh, a lot of what your work is, and and what I've been trying to to do with with GMB material is is trying to improve uh, that movement. Uh, Capacity, you know, that movement vocabulary, uh, different combined movements. Like I'm, I'm coming from that kind of physical therapy background, or I think about the joint and combined movements and, and, uh, quadrants and all of these kind of terms that <laughs> therapists use. But, uh, you know, when we, when we go and we try and teach clients, we talk about circles, we talk about going into areas that, you know, again, you, you don't normally do throughout the day and whether it's painful you know we try to avoid pain as much as possible but we also have to try and and move into into it a bit I, I think that's uh and you maybe you could talk to us a little bit about how you approach a client that's that's in pain and you know you want to try and improve the movement and improve their capacity for movement how would you first go ahead and and get someone to do that
1: yeah so you mentioned you know you what you don't want to cause pain but you want to start exploring the movements that, that are possible. I mean, thats I think that's kind of exactly it. And that's kind of like a simple formula for dealing with pain through movement. Not easy at all to implement in some people because, you know, if you start exploring movement in a back that hurts, maybe you flare it up, something like that. But still, that's the strategy. So if someone comes in and and says, well, my back hurts, the first thing I'm interested in is... Well, is that related to movement? Does it hurt when you do this? Does it hurt when you do that? And so I want to start to figure out. Okay, yeah, it hurts when I when I do this exact movement here. Maybe it's twisting, maybe it's flexing, flexing, or something like that. But then we want to. I want to start slowly uh, and in a non-threatening way, exploring other movements that are possible there. And sometimes you find, um, you know, okay, it hurts when I flex when I'm standing, but you know what? It's it doesn't hurt for me to flex my back when I'm on my back when I'm lying on my back and I bring or when you do a cat cow so different positions yeah maybe you can flex your back in a different position so I want to get them moving as much as possible in that area in a way that doesn't flare them up in a way that doesn't cause pain and, and the more the better because because when an area hurts a lot of people will get very very protective. they'll get overprotective. they'll shut everything down in the area even stuff that maybe doesn't need to get shut down. So you want to start kind of walking them back in the direction that they want to go, really slowly, in a way that that doesn't freak them out or or or, or flare them up. But uh, that's graded exposure, right? You you, uh, you you expose people to the s- the stress that's causing a problem in a really slow, progressive way. Now I think that's the same thing you're doing with your with your gymnastics progressions, right? I mean, you 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 slowly progress people towards something that you know, you look at Ryan do that stuff, that's mm-hmm. threatening. That would cause an right. injury. I can't do that. <laughs> How do I get from here to there? That's mm-hmm. the trick, you know, and, and you guys have come up with the progressions to get people here to there. Each step along the way is not too far of a step. At some at some point, you take a step that might be a little bit scary, like, you know, if you're doing a backflip or something. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, that that's the, that's what you guys do. That's, that's the that's why sports progressions are similar to physical therapy progressions you're you're just going step by step yeah and it becomes an art at some point right because you can have all of these kind of different
0: exercises and progressions and and you can have uh you know standards or minimums but you know that's not you know that's kind of a global thing you're going to have to treat each patient each client uh, you know within themselves and see well this progression or this variation for for most people it works but then, when you look at them, they're like, "Oh, that, you know, we need to do something a little bit different." And I think that creativity is what I really liked when we took your workshops last, uh, your classes last year. I like that, oh, cool. yeah, because you know what we're doing is so. Say you're te- you're teaching the class and you're you're showing a particular thing, but then one little detail might be better for someone else, right? Or it might yeah. or might be that this particular week, if you've been working with someone, and then you. have you know how they react, and you're like, "Oh, they usually they usually do okay with this, but today they're not they're not doing so well." So, being able to be creative and, and shifting, right? I think yeah. is, a, is a great.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, I mean, we all, as therapists or athletic trainers or whatever, and and I myself, I mean, I would love to have an algorithm or a recipe or a blueprint to take people exactly from A to B and say, if this happens, then that. Right. Um, but, but what you find is you, when you start to apply those things is that you get off the map very quickly with who, almost whoever you're working with because everybody is so different and they're always presenting you with little curveballs and stuff like that. So I think all you can really do with most people is just kind of rely on very general principles like graded exposure, like progressive overload. Right, right.
0: And teaching a way for them to, to understand within themselves to self-regulate you know i'm really wary of programs that have that are so step-by-step i mean it just doesn't make sense on the face of it how how can you how can you take a person again from a to b to c in in this really specific way you you
1: can't if they're general steps that's cool but if they're super specific then it's uh you're going to get off the map yeah and And any (laughs) if you've spent any
0: time coaching and, and working with people for real i mean that's it should see that right away
1: yeah, yeah, and, yeah and and the, and the real the coaches that have been doing it year after year after year and are good at it i mean they do this stuff instinctively you know we you can you can kind of develop the abstract theoretical models which explain why this is the case but these guys know this intuitively and that, that's the way the great coaches kind of they'll do this anyway so yeah. yeah yeah do you still do roughing are you still seeing yeah yeah I do. With that? I do i do i people come to me and i you know, hold myself out as someone that does rolfing, which is in the nature of a deep tissue massage. And I also, uh, on my website, I'll say I'm a Feldenkrais guy, which is kind of a, a movement therapy, lots of slow, gentle movements. And uh, people come to me for the for the rolfing for the most part. You know, I have people come that says, hey, I'm, I want to work in my movement. Mostly people come to me and they say, I want some of that deep tissue massage. You know, it's a passive therapy. Personally, I want to get them moving as much as possible.
0: Yeah, that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about because you know, I've been a PT for these years too, specializing in manual work. And it's really difficult – well, how do I say this? It's difficult to sometimes to convince a person that they they need more than just someone – Right, rubbing on them for a little bit and shaking their joints around. Right, they yeah, need to. Yeah, they yeah. need so, to. Well, be.
1: That's that's the easiest thing. You know, that if they could take a pill for it, that would be even even, right. even better. <laughs> well, that's reasonable because that's that's the path of least resistance. And they've been sold by a lot of people. They've seen other people that have, you know, they had a problem and and um, you know, by some miracle, some uh, manual therapist made them feel better and the problem went away forever. That does happen, but it's probably the exception to the rule. That the more common thing is some sort of manual therapy is going to make you feel good when you walk out of the office right. two or three days maybe a week after that but then whatever lifestyle issues brought you that problem in the first place will probably start to bring it back to you exactly exactly and, and uh, yeah. there's some sort of lifestyle movement alteration which would is necessary to make this a more permanent fix and it's not to poo-poo on manual therapy
0: or, or rolfing or no, anything no, no, like no. that. No, not I'm a manual right? therapist. I yeah, love it. It's, exactly. It's,
1: it's, it's exactly. great. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I just it's, want to
0: add the movement. Right. It's, it's what we do. What I've really tried to do in the last few years is is uh, use the phrase, this is a window of opportunity, right? So you, you come in, you get the treatment, and I'm like, okay, this usually r- works really well. And, and maybe it's the second time they've come in and they're like, oh, I felt great after that first time. and And then I... You know how can I keep this going? I'm like, well, you know what? This this is what I want to do is provide a window of opportunity for you. You know, if you can have a few days chained together where you're feeling better, then that's that's when you you should be able to get moving and try some of these things that like I'm trying to I'm trying to show them. You know, whether it's a, a specific corrective thing or is it as simple as oh, you should go and walk for about a half hour. That would, that would be great for you. So in terms of clients like these, uh, what's the realities and responsibilities of of their life, right? You know, they they there's all kinds of reasons why you shouldn't exercise, or right? you don't have the time for exercise. I mean, you have kids, you have work, and all that. You know, that's it's, it's very reasonable, right? And I you know, always try to provide. Well, you know what this this takes five minutes, right? This this particular thing takes five minutes to do. You know, I, I show them in the clinic. I'm like, oh, look at this. I I can sit down and I do it. So, you know, I try to provide the easiest thing for, for someone and, and just trying to remove as many excuses as possible. So what are your particular strategies for, for that, for trying to get people to, to be consistent,
1: you know, and, and take advantage of, of this, of the opportunity you've given them with that yeah, treatment? Yeah, I, I, I try to connect, I call it their movement homework. You know, I say, you're going to get some movement homework. Are you into movement homework? A lot of people are like, yeah, I want some of that stuff. And so they're easier. Um, but I, I try to connect it to a functional goal that they are personally motivated to, to achieve and that's meaningful to them. So, uh, you know, I, people always come in and, and one of their goals is obviously they want to get rid of pain. So that, I mean, that, that's that's an obvious goal. But but if you can turn it into a functional goal that they want to perform, then that is more related in their mind to doing their movement homework. So you, you can, uh, I say, so what what, if, what physically do you want to do now that you can't do? Some people don't have a, a clear answer there, and maybe you can help them develop a goal. But some people kind of really already have one, and and they just they haven't stated it yet, or they or they haven't clarified it in their mind. And, and a lot of people will say, like, you know what, I want to go hiking. I I love hiking. I God damn it, I haven't done that in in years. It's meaningful to me. I want to do it with my kids or my husband or something like that, or it's play tennis or it's get back to running or, or whatever it is. So then you've you formed a connection between something that's very meaningful to them, uh, that has value in their life. There's this concrete things, So they're not doing the, the exercises for some abstract reason that they, they, they don't understand, that someone else told them to do. The motivation's there. You know, that you've know, you already got all that good stuff that's going to make them show up, and then you try and connect what you're doing to that. So to me, that's, that is the... Um, a strategy that makes the most sense to me, um, and I think that um, it, it. I think I would also say that I've had more success with that. I mean, the most obvious example is runners. I mean, runners come sure. in. They, running is <laughs> their whole life. They right. they got to run to have meaning in their life. My foot hurts. I can't run. You know? Right. So, most people do their homework, right? Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and we see that too. It, it, it's different when when a person is just that self motivated, whether it's runners and, or uh, anybody that has where it is, is their lifestyle, and it's a lot yeah. more difficult to to kind of tap into something like that with with someone who's just, you know, they're just like, oh, yeah, I just I kind of just want to move around better. I mean, and like. With that you have to kind of dig deep and, and it's, it's, it's it, what you describe is great and it, it's perfect for for uh, and I've seen that too for for getting that consistency and getting people going and so, but it's a lot more difficult than just handing them a piece of paper with like five exercises on them for yeah sure.
1: yeah and, and and those are people have vague goals you know I want to move better I want to feel better something like that I mean th- here's another example of why I like your program. You give people a specific, concrete look. This is what the end product looks like. This is the move that you're going to work towards. So you could have some sort of vague idea. I want to move better. I want to feel better. I want to be an athlete. But what exactly does that look like? You know, your your program gives people a specific, concrete picture of one way that that might look. If that's an inspiring image, meaningful image to you, if you see that and you say, "That's who I want to be," or "That's it," that what I would be very proud of myself if I could do a muscle up or or whatever whatever movement you you see there well now you've got some sort of a concrete pathway to walk and it lets you know some things that you need to be doing to get there yeah
0: and I like the way you phrase that like with that image or that movement um, if it's something that means something to you right and it's not something yeah, yeah. we present as oh everybody should be able to do this or everybody should be able to do that you know you you provide these these options and you're like you, you make uh, you have people have that decision for themselves, and then that 's internal motivation right that 's something that 's relevant to them and I think that's
1: yeah that's perfect. Yeah, yeah absolutely it 's got to come from that i't I, I think it's less effective when uh, therapists or sports trainers tell people this is what your goal should be, and when they work with what people 's own values are it, it and, and I think it kind of goes to that uh, I, I need to get more clear on this book, the motivational interviewing book. Do you, you know the you know the motivational interviewing yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think the basic idea is using these kind of indirect strategies to motivate people are more effective than telling people what they need to do. So these open ended questions about what do you want to do, uh, then the people get thinking and then they start doing <laughs> what they should be doing. Not, not because yeah. you're telling them, because you're kind of like indirectly. Helping them, yeah, get
0: there. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. You bring you bring that up because you know that's kind of in vogue now, and and I think you know you've been a a therapist and a a, t- a trainer and a teacher for a while. It's something that after working with you know hundreds and, and thousands of, of clients, you sort of become more intuitive of it, right? You you have a history. You take a history in the in the beginning. You have an intake, and uh, a lot of times you have your routine. Uh, and th- this is the way it was for me and then you, you sort of kind of get into it and and then you realize with some people it's like oh that's you know the same questions I asked this person right in the same way in the same exact manner aren't uh, eliciting the, the responses that I'm used to right uh-huh. and and so this this motivational question this this kind of open ended work it's, it's just so much better than expecting a certain thing you know and, and I think that's a matter of experience but yeah, yeah I think it's a really interesting topic to to, to work on. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it depends on your level of authority too. I mean, if you're if you're a doctor or a surgeon wearing a white coat, I think that people kind of expect to be told what to do right. and, and they'll do it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if you're just some scruffy raw ro- somewhere, you know, people, you know, they don't they don't care if you wrote a book. <laughs>
0: Well definitely definitely audience <laughs> and you know and authority figures and all that. It's a totally different topic, right? <laughs> From yeah, yeah. What we're going on. Um well and, and you know, talking about information and, and all of these different things, uh, you know, with pain, with movement, you know, there's just so many different controversies. You can have like five people in a room talking about one topic and everybody's just arguing the hell out of you know, one position. I mean it's just the way it is and it's it's actually pretty good. You know with with the internet and and the accessibility of all of this is so much different than it was 15 years ago you know, yeah, so I different. think
1: there's progress even though there's a lot of noise I think the signal is, is coming through a little yeah
0: bit. now one of the first posts I've read uh, on your site a few years ago you know talks about posture posture is a great example of something that's pretty controversial you know what is good posture you know especially for for rolfing. it's interesting I took actually I went through a series and went through the ten eleven sessions about a dozen years ago over in Hawaii and I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. You know, I went in and I was just like, do what you want, right? I I <laughs> yeah. I read things. I was like, oh this is this is interesting. But one of the one of the classic things is in the Rolfing in the, the book was you know, stacking blocks, right? Yeah, this is, you yeah, know, yeah. this is what you should be like, right? So she has the po- the pictures, and like you, you see people with their head forward and you know, their butt sticking out, and you know she rubs on, the on a little bit.
1: right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And I love that. And I was like, oh, that's perfect, and it's and, and it's something that anybody can look at and like, well, that makes sense. But then you know, that's you, cool. you <laughs> that's not really <laughs> how, <laughs> how things should go. But but and I, and I liked what your take on it was. Is it, uh, um you know, posture as, as a position of efficiency, like it's it's a position where it's transitional, where you can move in a a right way from, I I love that.
1: Well, that's kind of, that's this, I wrote this post on, uh, I think it's called three essential elements of good posture. And one of them is efficiency. And, you know, that's, that's just the idea that you, these are all, this is basically Feldenkrais's idea in posture. So I, I shouldn't say these are my ideas very heavily. This post is very heavily influenced by Feldenkrais's ideas of of good movement and good posture. So his idea with posture is it's it's really movement. It's just it's just movement, but they're just small movements. So whenever you're you're standing up, you're actually like oscillating around a center point. You're not. It's not a totally static situation. You're always. It's kind of like a constant process of falling and recovering, but just on a very small level. And also there's there's always ongoing movement. You know, you're always looking left. You're always looking right. You're probably moving with your hands. So his ideas with posture, it's the same criteria for looking what's good move, good good movement. Efficiency is a really big thing. You want to be able to do whatever you're doing with a minimum of energetic expenditure, and and uh, um, you know that that's a probably a pretty good guide for for what movements are good. If if it feels really easy for you, it's probably a, a, an efficient, a good way to do it. If you look at great athletes do stuff, what's what's your impression? It's like man, that looks easy, right? And then the other thing is like you're always prepared for the next movement. So like uh, – and this is why posture for one situation is not necessarily good posture for another. So good posture when you're waiting in the field to, to field a baseball is like hands in the knees because you've got to be able to go in any direction. But, but Feldenkrais with his kind of martial arts – I think this is his – he has a martial arts background in judo and I know you do too. So you might be interested in this. His idea with good posture was really that you should like always be ready – for action, you know, even though you're in a relaxed situation, I think this is kind of a martial arts thing. You've got this idea that, you know, we're we we've kind of developed in this primal environment where you know you might get attacked in, at any moment, and to feel truly relaxed in that environment, there's always got to be a part of you that's kind of like ready to go, right? And and if it's and if it's ready to go, if you've got that self confidence and your ability to do stuff, that's when you'll truly relax. So he he really had this connection between. Powerful, athletic, prepared, adaptable movements, and just sitting around. There's yeah. not that much difference for him.
0: I think it's really interesting. You know, he talks about you know posture and 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 you know being able to to move from one place to another. And and judo is all about removing someone's posture, right? And and I oh, read you want to
1: destabilize, right? Them. You yeah. want
0: to destabilize them. So it, when I when I and that's his book. His book uh, I have uh, and I read. It's called Higher Judo.
1: Higher Judo, i yeah. haven't you read
0: that? Good for yeah. you, Yeah. Man. Higher Judo is really interesting, because I remember, I hadn't read that, I read that a couple years ago, but I remember in school reading Awareness Through Movement and all these things, and I had no idea, right, that he was, you know, he was... In the martial arts and all of that, but after a while, you look at it and you're like, "Well, that makes sense," because he was training. You know, he he was training how to remove someone's posture. It, so, it, I, it all
1: came out of that. He was very influenced by that
0: background. Yeah, yeah. It's super interesting. And, and when people talk about martial arts and all of that, you know, with the UFC and MMA, it's like, "Oh, it's fighting," and, and it's all of that. But you know, at the core of it for me, because I've been doing it for a long time, it's it's more of a a, a body awareness. Great. Right? After a certain point, you're like, it becomes this kind of vehicle for. For yourself, for improving, and we talk about movement variability and all of these things, right? Whether uh-huh. and you can choose that whether it's playing squash or 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 uh, or doing martial arts or or gymnastics or anything like that. It becomes yeah. It becomes uh, your personal vehicle. What what are you attracted to, uh, and what do you want to perform physically? And there's so many different options. You know, that's why yeah. It's
1: it's, it's, it's more than just the movement. Feldenkrais is about more than just movement. Martial arts is about more than just movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, yoga as well. So all these kind of mindful movement practices have that have that in common. I noticed with your, I mean, I got your GMB parallets thing, and and I noticed there's a there's a mindfulness aspect to that, and I I see you guys putting that into your practices. You know, kind of like not just about the movement, about controlling your attention, right. controlling your, your mind and stuff like that. And I like that.
0: Yeah, I think it's a way to get people into it without being too woo-woo about it, right? Rather than it being the first entry point to <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't like to see these Eastern practices having a total monopoly on on any kind of understanding of mind body stuff. I think that the the science has finally advanced far enough that we can kind of understand this in our in in Western scientific language. That's one of the parts of my uh, ideas in my book is like there's all this great stuff in in yoga and martial arts, and that and and they've been kind of like. Having a, a monopoly on, on these good ideas, but they use their kind of ancient language to describe it, that scares away a lot of people that are scientific minded. You shouldn't be scared. these are good practices. I can ex- I can explain this to you in, in language you might prefer mm-hmm. but it's good stuff yeah yeah, exactly. Well, I'd like
0: to thank you for taking the time out of your day I know you're a busy person and it's a great day in Seattle. That's where we are. That's right. We're <laughs> suffering right
1: now. <laughs> Seattleites, when they see the sun, they, they lose yeah. their
0: minds. Yeah, we need to get out. So you know, <laughs> thanks so much. Uh, so in our show notes here, I'm going to have different links to to Todd's site and his book. And if you haven't picked up the book, I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, I got it. It must have been a couple of years now, right? A year and a half, a couple of years? About
1: almost two years, something like something yeah. like. Exactly I actually the
0: got one. the physical copy, not just the Kindle. I have both, but get, I got the get, physical yeah, you gotta, copy. Yeah, he's
1: got pictures. Right? It's great.
0: Well, thanks so much, Todd. Uh, everybody, if you sure. want a little bit more information, you feel free to contact us at info at io. whether it's about Todd's book or anything in general. Uh, thanks, and we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot, Todd.
1: Thank you, sir. For more great info, join us over at gmb.io. And be sure to check us out on iTunes and YouTube.